0: Welcome aboard the battleship Retention. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening, David. Yes. How you doing?
1: I am wondering if you intentionally wait after I point to you just to get on my nerves. What? There are certain things that I wonder if you do to get on my nerves, <laughs> and then I realize I'm just an irritable person with a lot of neuroses. What did I do? I'm just saying. I like. I. I you know. I, I would like. I, I want. Yeah. I, I feel like because I for the behind the curtain. I hit record, and then because we're recording, I don't say anything. I point at Tyler to let him know it's okay to go, and he takes a moment, and that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. In my head, it's you taking a moment to be like, "Don't tell me what to do. I'll go when I want to go."
0: <laughs> how am I the in- like? How am I known as the insecure one in this podcast? Like, why is my paranoia? wasn't that Wasn't that a big thing with the, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, where everybody thought that Ed McMahon was the alcoholic? But uh, <laughs> right. Johnny Carson was the one with the right. drinking
1: problem. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I'm, I'm, I'm getting into character. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. Do you want to know what some other things that I no, convinced myself on, that you are doing to it? No, me? not like, on the air. We've got to get, you know, we got to get oh, to I it. I thought our, the listener might think it was funny. Our guest has a heart out though. That's the thing. <sighs> we got to go. Well, I, I, listeners remind me to list other things that Tyler does completely innocently that I convince myself he's doing despite me. <laughs>
0: If I wasn't the exact same way
1: with everyone else I know. Right. Oh, yeah, it's not just you. I do this with other people. Okay, good. But there are things that are specific to our oh, okay. working relationship. Is it, okay,
0: admittedly, every time you turn your back, I give you the finger. And I think you have <laughs> caught me once or twice. And I'm like, hey, it's a joke. Right. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, so we do have a number of things to get to, including. Uh, uh, our pay sponsors. the bills. Got to keep the lights on. Uh, but you know what? Before we do that, I wanted to say something. I want to say a quick congratulations, David. Do you recall at my at my wedding
1: the most famous reindeer of all? <laughs> it's not the right season for that, David.
0: Okay. Um, the uh, Jen has a friend named Reed. Reed Kelly. Do you remember him?
1: Um. I don't... He was at your wedding? I don't think I yeah. remember him from the wedding. He was on
0: the trolley with us as we took photos, but right. he wasn't a part of the wedding party because he wasn't okay. sure if he was going to be able to show up, but then he did, and he helped out Jen with a number of things. Okay. Um,
1: no, I don't remember him specifically, but didn't you, like, stay at his place yes, at one point?
0: Yeah, he Yeah, he and his uh, then-boyfriend uh, own a, I believe they still own a home in uh, Pasadena, and that is where we stayed, yes. Okay, I remember that. So, special congratulations to Reed Kelly on being on this season of Survivor. Oh, really? Yeah, he and his current boyfriend, who I've not had the pleasure of meeting, uh, but yeah, along with among others, the Twinnies from uh, oh. Amazing Race, because this is a blood versus water thing where they bring like couples, whether it be like just various relationships, you know, siblings, uh, romantic, whatever. Uh, and so the idea is like you come in with at least one alliance of you know just another person. Well, I'm glad you know that person.
1: Yeah, it's... I'm still not sure that this is more important to the listener than my funny thing about uh, all all my neuroses. (laughs) I think the listener might have uh, appreciated that more, because it's it's more fun, whereas this is more about someone you know. This is a neat thing, (laughs) and I'm throwing it out there knowing that Jen is
0: going to hear this, and she'll be very like, Hey, good for you, saying that thing about Reed. But anyway, I'm very excited for him. But you know what? Here's the thing. Speaking of neuroses... Uh Uh-huh. I feel like I cannot watch this season now because now I have a personal stake in somebody. And if somebody speaks ill of him, I'll be like, you leave him alone. Right. I'm sure. Yeah. It's going to be hard to watch.
1: Oh, that's but, funny.
0: Yeah, so congratulations to Reed. I don't think he listens to this show. He's listened to some of my podcasts in the past. But, uh, but yeah, special congratulations to him. Anyway, All right. I thought that was a neat thing. I do think it's a neat thing. You know what else yeah. is neat? What's that? Uh, getting paid. Absolutely. <laughs> Everybody listen. This episode is brought to
1: you by David. They're back. The double feature podcast. Oh, I thought you meant the poltergeists. Because first they were here. Yeah, <laughs> remember? Yeah, yeah, I remember. And now they're
0: they're back. Yeah, not unlike the Terminator. Oh man, if the Terminator is a poltergeist, watch out. Yeah. he'd be so back.
1: Yeah. Is it is it poltergeists or is it poltergeist? I think it's poltergeists, right? <laughs> so okay, that
0: was very dumb. I'm sorry. Okay. This episode is brought to you by the Double Feature Podcast. In this episode, and I'm not going to go through. What if
1: it was Poltergeist and Terminator? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would be neat. I, I wish it were. Uh, I'll I'll send them a note and say, just for future reference, maybe throw this in there, um, along with that that dinosaur animated movie. We're back.
1: Right. Oh my gosh! I remembered that
0: video cover. This thing writes itself. Yeah, I never saw it. In this episode, Eric talks about filming screen tests for Adam Rifkin and Pendulette's movie Director's Cut. Eric is directly involved in that film. Cool. Uh, The movies on this episode, however, the movies discussed are Grizzly Man and Willow Creek, two movies about the danger of the great outdoors. Uh, They also discuss the emerging docudrama comeback in movies such as Willow Creek and Bernie. Uh, They talk about horror based on audio, which in Grizzly Man is a very uh, sad and uh, harrowing moment. Uh, grizzly man as a nature documentary and the fact that bears don't care about and will totally eat you and that <laughs> warner uh, that uh, warner herzog uh, cuts through the magic of the outdoors so to listen to this episode just click on the banner at dot do that yeah
1: all right
0: this episode was also brought to you by aperture Committed to providing quality moving making equipment at an actually affordable price, the company was founded by photographers and filmmakers struggling with the steep costs of professional grade equipment. So they set out to sell gear at prices that will actually allow somebody to pursue their dream of filmmaking without going bankrupt. And right now, they are holding the Aperture at all uh, sorry at all costs video contest. They are giving away thousands of dollars in lights, microphones, and monitors for artists that can best show why they are pursuing the path of art at all costs. And I will say uh, just uh, – I did not incorporate it into this, but uh, I believe they are a Los Angeles-based company, but they do ship all over the country. So uh, don't feel like you – like this, doesn't apl- this stuff doesn't apply to you if you don't live there. Yeah. So, okay. For more information, for more information go to aperture.com, That's A-P-U-T-U-R-E. That's Did right. you say that right? Yes. I didn't I didn't have the the right cadence down. A P-U-T-U-R-E. Yes, .com. Or you can just click on the banner at battleshippretension.com. Which is how I'd recommend doing it. I the absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, lots of stuff to, to talk about at the top of the show here. Very exciting.
1: Yeah, and our guest has been very patient. Yep. So maybe you should uh, bring him on. Uh, all right. <laughs> I don't know why you said it like that. What I what'd
0: I say? Bring him on. <laughs> bringing <laughs>
1: i don't like that okay oh, man there's oh
0: never mind okay yeah we got places to be so oh, well, i don't want to
1: get i uh, i want to get our guest uh point of view on this actually
0: okay well okay so uh it's been a solid two years i think since he's been on the show maybe a little bit less but not much who's the your your old uh, your old place absolutely uh But uh, we had so much fun with him that we decided to have him back, but only when he had something really, you know, interesting (laughs) to talk about. But he's part of a a group. uh, Sorry, group. He's part of a group of people that uh, are involved in the release of a book called "Superhero Synergies." Uh, So here, here he is, back in all his glory,
2: German Matthias Stork hello (laughs) thanks so much for pointing out that i'm german i really appreciate that that actually Uh,
1: was going to be like my first line of questioning because i said bring him on which is one of those things that like it's an inside joke between me and my fiance that i like that's nice for a second and like said in real life but we always basically there's this guy there's a show we watch that i i guess i guess the trendy term is hate watch okay yeah but it's a show called mystery diners and i hate everything about the premise because the idea is that owners of restaurants want to catch their employees doing bad shit, so they hired this guy who fills, who puts hidden cameras over the restaurant, and then sends like undercover people, both as new employees and as diners, to catch the people. It's awful, but it's also totally staged, so I don't feel that bad about yeah, it. Yeah. But it's awful in premise because I believe people should have more privacy than that. But also, the guy himself is terrible. Uh, his name's Charles. Every time he shows up with an assistant, who's a an attractive uh, young woman, who is always a different woman in every almost every episode, which is hilarious. But he That's also very strange. He also has that kind of that just slightly southern accent where he says things like uh, "go go get him." Yeah, you yeah. know. Or, uh, I wonder what his motives are, that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, and so n- now my fiance and I do that all the time because of him. But I wanted to ask uh, Matthias to what extent are various american dialects and accents noticeable to you like can do you really pick them out or coming from so do you is it it more homogenous to you because it's all a foreign accent to you
2: uh no it's actually not it's not it's actually uh not that homogenous to me but uh my wife is a linguist so she talks Ah. to me a lot about that and has educated me but right now i don't remember anything about it but uh, (laughs) yeah it's all fairly uh Unfortunate to me, uh, I don't usually think about that a whole lot. Uh-huh. Just trying to understand you guys, you know, since I'm German. Yeah. <laughs> Just to, yeah, yeah. Is, but, is 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 Are some accents harder to understand? I think so. I think, um, you know, the Midwestern accents are usually very easy for me to understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lived there for a while. Californian accent is fairly easy to understand. Mm-hmm. New York might be a bit more difficult. Southern right. accents might be Louisiana. a bit more difficult. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Louisiana.
0: Yeah, I have. Yeah, that's difficult to understand. They drop that eye. I, mm. I don't like it. Cajun, Cajun's hard. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, this is along these lines. Oh, please. What uh, have you incorporated any uh, American like colloquialisms into your? <laughs> uh, I, I'm trying to think of like what are what are not like just. Not pronunciation, but, like, turns of phrase or something it like turns that.
2: Turns of phrase. Usually yeah. the ones that I incorporate into my vocabulary are from the 1950s. I say, uh-huh. uh, let's go get some za. And uh-huh. uh, then I get reminded by my wife that it's uh, a 1950s colloquialism. uh uh-huh. um, I can't think of any others right now. Do you say that like, stuff is like the bee's knees or the cat's pajamas. Yeah. Well, that I've learned. Yes. you, do. Uh, you say that when you leave a building? Well, you know, sometimes we watch and you watch a movie and there's someone smoking weed, and then I usually say he's that guy just smoked the doobie or something like <laughs> that. <laughs> I don't know where I picked that up. I have no idea. It's been my exposure to American popular culture from a very young uh, age on, and I just don't know how to differentiate between those, uh, you know, old phrases and the new ones.
1: Well I because of days confused if I smell weed, I think, at least in my head, I think, someone's tokens some reefer. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right.
2: <laughs> there
1: you go. There you go.
0: See, you can yeah, there's one that you picked up. That's fine. Yeah. Missed oh. one though. But Yeah, you only said the two.
1: Yeah. Some day will get that third Look, one. <laughs> he's got a heart out. You yeah, gotta yeah. keep moving.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, how have you been since the last time we talked to you? I What's think- been going on in your life? I've been great uh thanks for asking uh I've just recently got married uh moved um and uh yeah, just everything's been great listening to you guys uh you know still I have to say I'm still so amazed by when I come here see you guys. this is all not rehearsed by the way, nothing this is just natural dialogue it's amazing it's like live theater okay <laughs> I should I don't know i should... I think there
1: are people listening right now going, and hey, no shit, yeah like, yeah. This is these guys in the fact that they haven't said a fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: I should be paying for this. I am, just you know, not <laughs> yeah, emotionally. Uh, yeah, emotionally, just not in hard currency. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, d- would you say that other people should be paying for this as well? Absolutely. Okay. So I, you know, I um, we do
0: we do offer donations.
2: I yeah. I'm glad you do. I also recently noticed that you put up the first four episodes um, for a donation. Right. Yeah. That was well, uh, uh, that. The that time, now there's a yeah.
1: standing. Yeah, but the, 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 there was a promotion that is now over by the time you're hearing this. But the first 40 episodes for $10 are always available. You donate mm. $10, you get the first 40 episodes. Um, we did run a brief promotion where it was only $5. Okay, and um, you got the premium episodes for that, too. I didn't even realize. I didn't put yeah. that in the tweet. I saw that. I assumed
0: it because you didn't have any room, but that's all right. I I missed that. And we might it. do that again. Just it's It was like a
1: 48-hour thing. And we might um, not. So if you want them, don't sleep on it. Yeah. Although, we might
2: take them all down. Also, I, I would missed say it. buy them right now. I missed a promotion. You missed the $5. $5. Okay. I know. Yeah. Well, I think you should offer it up again for another 48 hours so I can partake in it and some other listeners. Or,
1: or as someone I who's been just... on the show twice, who might just give it to you. Yeah, that's an option. That's probably what's going to happen. Just it
0: on to you. Um, so, okay, uh, real quick. One thing that I wanted to talk about before we move on to your book, uh, and that sort of thing is, uh, I want to talk briefly about the passing of Richard Attenborough. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, they talk about uh, deaths or deaths of people you know come in threes and that sort of thing. And so there probably once a year, there will be three or four weeks in a row where we just lose somebody and I feel the need to talk about it. Um, and I will say Richard Attenborough, um, you know, he lived to a ripe old age of 90. He was an older guy. Um, and it is interesting that he... Represents, I think he represents different things for different generations. Uh, for generations of, that are maybe like in their 50s or 60s, he was an actor uh, who showed up in, oh, shoot, what's the one that we watched?
1: Uh, Manner of Life and Death?
0: Yeah, yeah. He was in Manner of Life and Death? I thought he was in the other one.
1: Um, or maybe he was in both. What's the other one you're thinking of?
0: I thought he was in um, In Which We Serve. Oh right, we're not getting brings, into so, this yeah, game. yeah. We're not having that argument. Okay, yeah. Uh,
1: but yeah, and so um,
0: and I believe was he? Well, I didn't see The Great Escape. Was he in The Great Escape, or was he in uh, one of those prison movies? I think it's The Greatest. Escape. see, and and that's the thing. This speaks to like I th- I think of him as like 80s and 90s. I think of him as the director of Gandhi. He also directed Shadowlands, which I'm a big fan of. Um, But I also think of him, of course, as a lot of people our age. Great Escape, okay. Uh, A lot of people our age. John Hammond from uh, Jurassic Park. A lot of people know him from that. Mm -hmm. He also, as I think I mentioned in our Christmas episode uh, this last year, uh, he played uh, Santa Claus, or pardon me, Chris Kringle in the Miracle on 34th Street remake and is wonderful. That film deserves to be uh, looked at by people completely agree. It looks gorgeous and it captures this, the spirit of the original. And he makes a wonderful Chris Kringle. There is a scene in which, uh, he, uh, there's a, a little girl on his, on his lap and she is deaf. And her mom says, Oh, you don't have to, you don't have to say anything to her. She's just deaf. And she just wanted to see you. And he immediately goes into sign language and mm-hmm. it's like so touching yeah. to see. Uh, and so, He's just. Uh, I'm saying then, yeah. I actually have. I've only seen the original. I've never seen the remake. And in the original, I think it's it's that she just speaks another language, and then he goes into right, that language. Yeah. I don't remember exactly, but uh, but then also he played a wonderful role in uh, Elizabeth, uh, in which he is uh, sort of an advisor, but hmm. also he's so the character is just like so full of political machinations that you don't think that this small guy with the higher voice and just seems so delightful you don't think that he would be able to advise like yes i think these are the people to kill uh-huh. um but he d- he does wonderful at it and i wish i could i wish i could call to mind more films that he had directed because i know he's done more than just those two that i had seen um but yeah he's he's somebody that uh he directed Chaplin by the way he directed Chaplin, mm-hmm. which admittedly i wasn't a huge fan of um but uh yeah you know I feel like it didn't necessarily capture the he directed it like he directed Gandhi and it's like eh, the character of Chaplin I think probably had more fun than that but whatever it's fine it's still not that terrible of a movie actually Uh, got a good performance out of uh, Robert Downey Jr. Um, and so uh, what I will say is even though I couldn't immediately call to mind some of his older performances he's been around a very long time Uh, there's nothing wrong with remembering him primarily as John Hammond as I said our generation will But uh, he deserves to be seen in other things and his movies deserve to be seen. Uh, I will especially say Shadowlands, which is a story of C.S. Lewis, uh, specifically uh, his late in life romance, um, which has uh, great performances by Anthony Hopkins and and, uh, Deborah Winger. And so um, anyway, I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, you you were able to call to mind uh, some things that he was uh, a part of. Matthias, do you? do you think of uh, Richard Attenborough as like a great director or something like that? People don't, even though Gandhi like swept the Oscars that year, like people don't remember him or think of him as
2: an amazing director or anything like that. Do you? I do not necessarily think of him as a great director. Gandhi was a, to me is a very important and uh, moving film Mm -hmm. uh, that I will always associate him with. But uh, Jurassic Park, of course was a very formative film. Mm -hmm. uh, And for me as a, um, like young cinephile, even at that age, um, and uh, his role is just um, seminal. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, frankly, really liked Chaplin. I thought it was not; mm-hmm. it was tonally um, a bit ill-directed, unfortunately. But overall, I really um, enjoyed it. But uh, I was really saddened when I heard about his passing. And uh, Jurassic Park came to mind first right. of all.
0: Yeah, I. I like a lot of other people I thought of Jurassic Park and just thinking that like it's inter- it's interesting because that character is kind of a megalomaniac uh, and but he makes him so he makes him arguably too likable just by by virtue of being such a likable guy. Right. But that's what makes him that's what makes the character. So he's not a villain, but it's what makes him so complex in a film that really, in my opinion, I don't love Jurassic Park. Uh, there are things that I still respond to, of course, because it's still Spielberg making an action movie, a spectacle action movie. But um, but as far as character goes, like you either go, it's often either bland or like total archetype. With the exception of two, Malcolm and Hammond, like those two seem like developed, distinct characters, as opposed to like Nedry, who is the archetype of the nerd. Uh, what's his name? Muldoon, who's the archetype of like the great white hunter and all that. But then, of course, uh, Grant and Sadler just boring as hell, and just and so uh, so yeah, he really brought something to that role that I feel like another actor would have pl- would have overplayed the the evil of the character. If you look in the book, Hammond is I mean he dies, and we're happy when he dies because he's an asshole. Um, and so yeah, I like that performance, and I really would encourage people to go and watch. Uh, the new Miracle on 34th Street, uh, because it it deserves viewing in a a number of ways, but his performance especially is very moving. But, okay. All right. We should move on. We should. You want to do
1: a... I don't want to do
0: that right after we do
1: our tribute to someone. (laughs) I don't want to do an ad right after we talk about someone who
0: died. (laughs) I guess, you know, it's weird because, while it is a bummer that he passed away, because he leaves behind a full career of work, Uh, And he died of natural causes. Mm -hmm. I don't view his death as tragic. It's sad, but there's not that tragic, like, that really heartbreaking element to it. And so, like, for me, it just seems like, oh, that's unfortunate that he died. Let's all remember what he left behind. As opposed to somebody like, you know, a Robin Williams or like a Philip Seymour Hoffman, where it's like, well, they probably still had so much more to do. Mm -hmm. And they died before their time. So it's not to say that I'm not mourning Right. Uh, Richard Attenborough, but I still don't
1: want to give him the Fred Astaire treatment with the vacuum cleaner commercial or whatever. Yeah, that is true. Yes, have, yes. Have you <laughs> know who we will... added John Hammond to yeah. be like pitching earbuds. Yeah, we'll talk yeah. about that later. Right.
0: Yeah, you know Richard Attenborough, he loved listening to <laughs> music on his iPod, and when he when he wanted to listen to something right. crystal clear. So, okay, anyway,
1: no, let's uh, let's talk about something else. Okay, let's, let's talk about this book.
0: Absolutely, superhero synergies. It is available for purchase. Uh, on like Amazon and such. Yes. Okay. Take us through it. How did this come about? Well, tell me what it is and how it came about.
2: Uh, sure, absolutely. When I um I was a student um at UCLA and uh, I thought about uh, publishing a book. A very simple process, I figured, and uh, as it turns out, not so simple especially not in the realm of academia, but uh, it took a while. Um, It's basically an edited collection about superhero movies um, that tells a bit of the history of the superhero genre. Um, Unfortunately, um, when you edit a collection, there are always some concessions that you have to make. Um, It depends on the submissions that you receive, the topics that you want to cover, and then what people actually send to you. so ultimately, this is a very short history, more focused on the digital age mm-hmm. rather than the entire um, history of the genre, which, I mean, tra- can be traced back to um, the 70s uh, or the 60s, even when you consider DC as well with mm-hmm. um, the original Batman uh, television series. But uh, And we're focusing on uh, film, television and digital media, and includes video games and other forms of um, mostly promotional items, how they're marketed today to films. But uh, yeah, so that is it, Uh, and I edited it with uh, my good friend and uh, colleague, uh, Jimmy Gilmore, and uh, yeah, now it's out. And it's uh, unfortunately also a bit biased uh, in terms of uh, (laughs) it's uh, more geared towards uh, Marvel than DC. We didn't receive a lot of submissions for DC um, properties, um, so it's more... Why do
1: you think that is?
2: I think at the time when we solicited uh, all the submissions or we um, started working on the book, um, Marvel was just... uh, too big an item it was in uh 2013 when we started just right after the avengers mm-hmm. um and we can talk about that later as well in terms of uh who has the upper hand now uh and i think i would argue marvel in terms of both quantity and quality uh yeah, yeah I, mean, I, DC, I, I yeah agree. or
1: warner brothers is grasping with <laughs> with their dc stuff uh but um Warner is doing well in in TV. Um, Or DC is doing well in TV. Or they're poised to be doing better. I don't know that... I mean, Arrow has a strong fan base. Yeah. A dedicated fan base, but I don't know how big it is. And I don't know how big The
2: Flash will be. Gotham might be a big thing. It could. It'd be nice if it was. I liked it a lot. In terms of uh, critical reception as well. How that is framed. Because I'm not sure whether... I don't even know how... Uh, Arrow has been received so far
1: I think among I I think well this and this could be something that we that probably comes up in your book I think among the critics who bother to take Arrow seriously it's well liked Mm -hmm. but I think because it's superheroes and because it's on the CW uh, it doesn't get as much attention as as it was as Gotham might simply because Fox has established itself a little bit more
0: yeah yeah Um, and it
1: has name actors in
0: it so how did you okay so let's let's talk about about you Matthias Um, certainly, uh, do you like, what made you want to do this? Are you a fan of superhero movies? Do you, uh, do you, do you find them interesting academically or do you actually just enjoy them yourself and you, and you feel like they are sort of culturally important and deserve to be written about? Like, how did this come about for you
2: personally? Um, I'm a huge fan of superhero movies. Uh, I enjoy them uh, no matter what the quality. I uh, really do. I like the old uh, television serials. I, I love the television movies. I love the schlocky um, big screen uh, productions. Uh, huge fan of Howard the Duck, which is uh, not a very good movie, but I'm fascinated by it. And uh, so, yeah, I primarily approached this topic as a fan, mm-hmm. uh, along with my um, friend, Jimmy, who is also a huge fan, but he's, I think he has a, an even stronger interest um, in academic terms. I was mostly interested in really approaching this as a fan and also elevating the subject a little bit within, you know, the realm of university to write about it. Um, because I think criticism has been really great at um dissecting um the superhero genre um there are some great articles out there some great um, really uh, critics who write about them prolifically but uh in academia which is again um not always as up to date i thought it would be an interesting subject uh to explore also in terms of how this genre has expanded or exploded in the digital era
1: mm-hmm.
0: so so let's uh so you've mentioned that you've been a fan of this for like Since you were a kid, I would assume. Absolutely. So let's, let's go back. I want to take you back in time, a young, sprightly, Matthias Stork, not like the old sluggish man that I'm looking at right now. Oh, thanks.
2: (laughs) Um, In Lederhosen. Yeah, right. (laughs) Lederhosen, definitely. As all, this is what all Germans wear. (laughs) Yeah. And I brought you guys too as well. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah.
0: I don't, I was saying to Jen the other day, I don't own enough Lederhosen. Um, so, okay, so you're young. What is the first superhero movie? And I forget, uh, if you don't mind my asking, how old are you? I'm 28. 28. Okay, so what is the first superhero movie you saw? Batman. Batman. The okay. original Batman. Right.
2: Um, along with Batman, the animated series. Damn right. Absolutely. Which is far superior to the original Batman. It's far retrospect. superior to everything.
0: Absolutely, I agree. <laughs> it is. And the- I don't mean everything Batman. I think it <laughs> I mean, is the, everything.
2: it is to me it is the best superhero property out there still mm. along with um the animated movie The Dark Knight Returns part 1 and part 2. Hmm, I didn't see that one. I've heard good things about it. It's absolutely amazing so I recommend it to everyone out there. Check it out.
0: Yeah, I've heard good things about all of those uh you're talking about, like, f- those are fairly new, right? Like, Yeah, yeah. they're fairly new. Yeah, because there's just, one called, like, Gotham Knights that I've heard
2: good things about. Yes, and, I've seen that, too. And Under the Red Hood. Under the I've, Red Hood which is just wonderful. I think Under the Red Hood may actually still be available on Netflix. Watch Instant. Okay. It used to be.
0: And so, you saw Batman. You saw Batman the Animated Series. So, I watched those as well when I was a kid. And uh, what was it that you responded to? Because... I watch it now as an adult and I have so much respect for it at the very least visually and able Mm -hmm. to am able to look at the various origin stories of the villains and recognize like, oh, my gosh, how fascinating. Every villain could have been Batman or Batman could have turned out like any of these villains uh, they just went this way and he went the other way and he's the only one to go the other way. And so when you see one villain after another like uh, going going the wrong way, it gives you even more appreciation for the sacrifice that Batman has made, uh, the sacrifice of himself and what he wants because they're all doing what they want. Usually what they want is revenge um, and he wanted – and he would want that but he didn't let himself – Carry that out, and so that's something I can appreciate now. But at the time, I think I just responded to like, oh, I like this villain. Oh, I, you know, I think I, I think I still liked that they that they fleshed out the villains and that sort of thing. But I think that was probably about as far as I was willing to go. So, like, if you can remember, what did you as a kid respond to? Let's stick with the animated series, then we'll go into the Burton films uh, in a moment, but with the animated series, what did you respond to as a kid and then as an adult?
2: Right. Um, as a kid, I definitely responded to the visual style of the series and the mood that it created. It was just so different from everything else that I had seen on television at that point in time. Um, and, uh, I really also like the character of Batman who really operated as a detective um, mm-hmm. within that show, which is also, um, I could um, strike a parallel to the comics that I was reading at the uh, at that time. Uh, right now, I'm not a comic book reader anymore, although I would like to get back into it. But at the time, I was reading comic books of Batman, and they really um, were strongly aligned, in my opinion, with Batman the Animated Series at the time. I... Um, Also, very much responded to the opening sequence. I don't know. It always comes down to the opening sequence, which is such a wonderful form of um, a mini, uh, like a really short film, basically, and that tells a complete story of who Batman is and how they set him up and and what is going on in Gotham City. Um, Still unparalleled to this point, uh, up until now, I think. But uh, that's what I responded to. When I got older, I really uh, still responded... To those elements as well. And I was really intrigued to see how it expanded and how people responded to it, how fans responded to it in the YouTube space. Mm-hmm. Um, that like, that show is really like a cultural touchstone yeah. um, today for a lot of cinephiles and uh, TV fans. That And when I then went back to it, I also discovered the, that Batman as a character was just so complex If you really explore him, even in that um, little animated kid series, the duality of the character. I think that one that you pointed out um, is really tangible and visible in that show. Let me ask you this.
0: Do you have a favorite Batman villain? I do. This is not a loaded question. You don't have to say the Riddler.
2: I I do. I know that you love the Riddler and I think the Riddler is uh, a wonderful character. Unfortunately, I also grew up around that time when... Batman forever, yeah was released okay, and well, uh I saw it in theaters okay and uh that basically ruined my childhood at <laughs> <laughs> that point, so I can't divorce myself from that uh notion from that concept of the Riddler anymore, and I love Jim carrey just mm-hmm. miscast or oh, I, I think he was cast very well. I think if the Riddler had been written
0: differently okay i think, that's a fair I point. think he would have been able to pull it off brilliantly. That's an interesting take. I, yeah. Like imagine if, imagine if they, okay, so think of the, the Jim Carrey that we've seen in Truman Show and, uh, most recently, um, Kick-Ass 2, which is not a good movie, but he's wonderful in it. He is. Um, and then Eternal Sunshine, but then also at the time, a movie like Cable Guy, uh, or, you know, and the mask. Like, Did you ever see, uh, what's it called? I Love You, Philip Morris? I didn't. I heard so he was good. wonderful. So good. Yeah. Like, he is able to yeah, really nice. explore all these very human emotions. He's able to downplay and downplay things and go over the top. And so I feel like if the vision by Joel Schumacher had been different, if it had been written by a different writer, I feel like
2: that would be great casting. I, and in a way, for the movie that was there, it was great casting. For the movie, I mean, the movie goes all out, and it doesn't. It's unapologetic in its approach, and it's a yeah. uh, campy approach. I was ready to challenge your assertion, but then I completely forgot about the Cable Guy, and I, <laughs> I actually agree with you that, um, yeah, a different writer might have brought that out in him. Yeah, yeah I'm, I, I'm not curious. the biggest
1: fan of the Cable Guy, by the way. I don't think it's. it's uh, almost it sort of uh, has its thumb on the scale a little bit like it's 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 pushing a little too it's hard overwrought. And, yeah. yeah oh at, there's at, no question it more, about it
0: yeah and it's interesting that like the three of us are talking about are talking about like you know i think cable guy maybe not may not be that great people
1: hated it at the time <laughs> right but uh, i feel like yeah a lot of people our age seem to have yeah i don't know be uh, defenders of the cable guy or yeah. at least people who uh, like movies yeah i don't I, know like it's sort of like there's another movie, and this gets back to superheroes, Mystery Men, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is way better than its reputation was at the time, but it's not as good as a lot of its defenders say it is yeah. now.
0: And you and I were I, defenders for a time, yeah, and we because, still are.
1: Because the back, people hated it so much when it came out yeah. that I wanted to defend it, but now that it has this whole cult... behind it. I want to be like, all right, calm down. It's It's like, it's
0: it's just mystery, man. Yeah.
1: Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And so it's not like it's Mars
0: attacks, Uh, but, uh, but yeah. And I'll say, yeah, cable guy, it's not this amazing thing, but it also didn't deserve to be dismissed like it was. And, and Jim Carrey, like really exploring a dark character. Um, I think that, uh, that would have served him well in a different vision of, uh, the Riddler. And then, but to me, The writer of Batman Forever is Akiva Goldsman, who I think is – I don't like to use words like hack, but (laughs) little things like – and he would go on to win an Oscar for writing uh, A Beautiful Mind. Because if there's one person that I trust to really encapsulate mental illness, it's the guy who decided, okay, so Two-Face has multiple personalities. All right, we're just going to have him say we instead of I problem solved moving on <laughs> uh that was one of the thing that I, that always bothered me
2: at the time a very nuanced
0: uh you know approach to a character oh absolutely cinema has grown since then <laughs> <laughs> and so uh okay well we're into Schumacher now I'll move on and and we don't want to I don't want to stick just with Batman but mm-hmm. like so many people cuz I was a little too I wasn't old enough um to remember superman like to have grown mm-hmm. up I mean, I grew up with Superman, but uh, I was more into Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark and that kind of thing. But, like, again, I often try to imagine what must it have been like to be an adult and Superman, re- directed by Richard Donner. That was going to be released, and it had Oscar winners Marlon Brando and Gene Hackman in it. And just being like, would people take it – Would did people take it seriously at mm-hmm. all? Or did they say, really? A Superman movie? You're like, come on. Now it's a very common thing. But – uh you are talking about two.
1: If you're talking about Superman from 1978, is that what that is? 78, I think. Yes. Yeah. Uh, against Man of Steel, you are talking about two completely different movies. Oh, absolutely. Um, Man of Steel seems to be begging to be taken seriously by yeah. being so dour and grim. Yeah. Uh, punishingly so from from the get go. Yeah. Uh, whereas superman is i think the precursor of the why marvel movies are more successful now is that superman knew um how to balance like okay we've got a real like world threat that superman has to fight against Mm -hmm. but also this is going to be a lot of fun and kind of Mm lighthearted and have a sense of humor to it
0: something that tim burton and we'll move into that something that tim burton seemed to capture in spite of the fact that his movies were visually so dark he still
1: captured fun how how is that even possible yeah, and that's that's why I don't like Zack Snyder because it's like he took the wrong lessons. Or even uh, you know a lot of my problems with uh, what's it Christopher Nolan's movies. Mm-hmm. I forgot Christopher Nolan's name for a second there. Eh, um, it happens. It's the 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 same thing. Like um, he, uh, I think, lost some of the the fun. That's why the Dark. I know you like Batman Begins, the best of the three. Mm-hmm. But the Dark Knight is my favorite of the three because uh, the spectacle is just. Spectacle in a lot of the, you know, the hospital blowing up, or of course the truck flipping in the middle That's of the road. Nice. It's awesome, you know, whereas the spectacle in Dark Knight Rises, which is like the stadium getting blown up, like, yeah, it's like, oh wow, cool. Also, like 5,000 people just got killed in that yeah. or at least the entire football team. Uh, but I think they at least, gra- Heinz uh, Ward or
0: whoever it was at the end. Um, I think they at least grapple with some of the consequences of that. Whereas man of steel, I feel like they don't think about it, the, the collateral damage at all.
1: Uh, right. But I'm saying the dark Knight did it, did it right. Like making it, uh, Balancing the threat with the with the with the spectacle, yeah, in a way that Man of Steel and I think Dark Knight Rises didn't, um, and Batman Begins is has a lot to offer. It but is I think uh, too narratively unwieldy for me to ever get into. Yeah, um, I, I appreciate it from a
0: from a character standpoint. Um, uh, I, I should have t- talked about, and maybe I did back when we talked about character as metaphor. I wish I'd brought up uh, Batman sure. Begins, and maybe I did. I don't remember.
1: But uh, that movie, uh, I feel I've talked about it on the show before, but one of my main problems with Batman Begins is that okay, so Razel Ghoul, or however you say his name, is he's the big bad of the movie, mm-hmm. except that he's not in like two thirds of the movie mm-hmm. and so, so it's like, okay, I guess Scarecrow is the big bad but then, sorry, I'm using Buffy terms. Yeah. Um, but then Scarecrow gets dispatched of in the most, like, you know, sort of wimpy, laughable way in the world. You should have put and it then, in video game terms. Say, like, okay, so who's the boss? Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Liam Neeson's back. And it's like, oh, I de- sorry, I forgot that we were supposed to be scared of you the whole time. And so it loses a lot of its punch to me. that the, I think
0: you're looking at it the wrong way. I think you're thinking of it in terms of uh, Tim Burton, Joel Schumacher, Batman. One of the reasons I like Batman Begins is because it is focused so pri- so squarely on Batman that the big bad is Scarecrow, Falcone, corruption—like it's everything. Uh-huh. It's him trying to tackle everything, I, and look, then I think present themselves.
1: And I think if it worked in that way, way for me, I would like it more. But it works for you in that way. It doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, it's not um, uh, cohesive uh, enough in, in that in following that thread. To okay. me. Uh, whereas the one, if, if we're on this sort of path of talking about movies that balance the darkness and the violence with the fun, um, one of the great superhero movies slash comic movies that's not based on a comic book is Darkman. Yeah, directed by Sam Raimi, Which I got on uh, Blu-ray a few months ago. And, uh, I mean, that's the, in some ways, Darkman is like a precursor to... The Batman movies, the, the the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, the, or at least Dark Knight, and to, obviously, Sam Raimi's work in, in Spider-Man. It's, Dark Man's so much fun. I, I love mm-hmm. that movie. Absolutely agree.
0: So, we've bounced around uh, a lot, and, so, and we don't necessarily have to go, like, in the order of your life or anything like that. Right, but, but that's okay. We bounce around in the book as well. Okay. It's just... And so, but let's, but that's the thing. It is interesting when going through the history of superhero movies, especially Mm -hmm. in the last 30 years, to just look at how different the tones are. Absolutely. Because let's, let's go ahead and just say 89 Batman kicks it off. Huge financial juggernaut. I don't know if this is true, but I, I seem to, for a long time, the record for, a single person who's made the most money on a movie
2: was Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson, I believe, because, fifty million. Yeah, because he also had merchandising rights right. <laughs> That's awesome. on Batman. It was which also is the. Crazy. I mean, what is interesting about that movie is also the first time that uh, merchandising was implemented on a large scale. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time when Warner Brothers was not just Warner Brothers anymore, but really the conglomerate structure really facilitated that. You know, you could market that movie on a really big, large scale, which which made it this cultural phenomenon across the yeah. board
1: i remember eating batman cereal at the time yeah it wasn't that good i loved it <laughs> <laughs> that's what they like i don't understand why because my mom was very much into us eating healthy mm-hmm. like we weren't, we weren't allowed soda except for on special occasions like she always packed our lunch to make sure we had a balanced lunch but for some reason when it came to breakfast i guess she just like threw up her hands yeah and because we always had like fruity pebbles and cocoa crisp and all like all of the worst cereals i don't know why that is i Let's, think
0: i've said it before When's the last time you you walk down the cereal aisle? Because I haven't had cereal in a long time. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. It is a renaissance for cereal. I'm so angry that I don't do the, that I don't really eat carbs anymore. Because I walk down there, I'm like, this
1: is there's like 48 more cereals than there used to be. But when was the last time you tasted? Like I, I can't remember when this was, but I like I think when I lived alone, I think I bought a box of like Fruity Pebbles or something just to like I don't know if I was trying to reclaim my childhood or or like have the like living alone as a 20 year old bachelor or single life that i would have imagined for myself when i was eight years old <laughs> i bought some fruity pebbles i got one spoonful down they are terrible it's, yeah it's on it's barely
0: food i was never a fruity pebbles type i will say apple jacks holds up
1: yeah
2: as does cinnamon toast crunch of course do they still make cinnamon toast crunch they sure do okay good see and this is where i cannot contribute at all because this is all foreign to me okay, okay. i don't even know what did you have well, growing up oh well Kellogg's which is a German brand you know so Mm -hmm. I can't contribute to the conversation unfortunately now when I walk through the serial I'm completely overwhelmed and I uh, it's like the end of the Hurt Locker I was going to reference that as well yes that's how I feel I mean again there's uh, the emotional trauma is not as (laughs) in that movie does not capture the one that I'm going through right yeah yeah but um, it's just total culture shock for you exactly
0: you know he's coming back home you know Uh, (laughs) so okay let me ask you this so you liked, you loved the animated series. I, yeah. You loved, or at least, did you, you really responded to Batman I did. as a kid? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me ask you this. Batman Returns. And by the way, the animated series coincide with Batman Returns. That's why the penguin looks right. like he does. exactly. But um, Batman Returns,
2: what did you think of that? At the time when I first saw it, I loved it more than the original Batman. Really? I thought it was, uh, and frankly, I still do. I appreciate Batman Returns a lot more than the original Batman because I think the darker vision really suits the material. Mm-hmm. I think there are more stakes in it. I there are also some now I have to think about this but in Batman Returns is that where he kills uh, one of these guys with a bomb? Or is that the original Batman? Uh, that is Batman Returns. That's see, Batman he Returns. He kills a couple of guys. Yes, he kills a couple just yeah. offhandedly, yeah. which is something that I've that I've never responded to uh, well, unfortunately. But uh, just as the character is so different. Mm-hmm. But no, overall, I love the Penguin. I love. That's um, also when you are at that age and you see Michelle Pfeiffer for the first time as Catwoman. It's just uh, a, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: you know, with Batman Returns, like I know, I always like point out. Barton Fink as being, like, the movie that represents my, like, awakening to cinema. Mm -hmm. And that was, like, the... Consciously, but in retrospect, I think there was something about Batman Returns, because I remember my dad thinking it was stupid. Like, after having seen Mm -hmm. the first one, like, we rented it or whatever, my dad thought it was stupid. And I knew that it wasn't, and I knew that it was good, but I wasn't able to explain to myself, let alone to my dad, why I responded to it.
0: I saw it with my mom, who... Was bit and incidentally, uh, this is an idea I had for an episode we should do sometime uh, about ugly movies, hmm. um, or a- movies that embrace ugliness uh, uh, on a visual style. And so, uh, did you ever
1: see Smiley Face? No, I didn't. <laughs> it's Araki, right? Yeah, yeah, of course.
0: Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and my, but my mom said like, ah, oh, that movie was so ugly. <laughs> now, Penguin is hideous. I mean, he's that bile spewing from his mouth for no reason, uh, but. And so I was, I thankfully, but my mom said that about everything. She said that about, you know, the Rancor and Job of the Hut and all that. So I was able as a kid to dismiss that and say like, <laughs> uh-huh. oh, that's just mom. Uh, so thankfully, uh, but like if my dad had seen it with me and he was just like, man, that movie, like yours, uh-huh. said that movie was dumb. I think I might've taken that to heart a little bit more, but as it was, I was able to, I don't think I quite got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I don't think I, at the time, liked it as much as the first one. But I did return to it. I found myself buying it on VHS, watching it over and over. And, uh, and yeah, it is. I think it is the purer vision. But we've said that before. So, uh, okay,
1: again, we're... Uh, any well, more well, thoughts from you, Matthias, on yeah, that yeah. man Returns? Uh, just from, a,
2: from an aesthetic standpoint, I agree that it is an ugly movie. And I, to me, and that I think leads also into the book, based on my experience as a kid, I really loved the movie. And then when I returned to it later on, I realized that there... There is so much more to these movies, all of them, not just Batman Returns, but historically that you can find out when you look at Batman Returns, that movie was ugly. What does that mean? It means people didn't respond to it as much as the original Batman. Yeah. The studio couldn't merchandise it as well. Um, there were no Happy Meal tie-ins. or I mean, at the time, it was still the... It was not the Happy Meal, but there were no merchandising tie-ins, or they didn't res- people didn't respond to them as well. When you think of Batman Forever or Batman and Robin, we think of toyetic movies yeah. right um so i think those are all historically when you look through the genre and how it has evolved this is something that we like wanted to capture in the book yeah.
0: and that speaks to what i was talking about like different tones because mm-hmm. you look at batman and then batman returns then you look at dick tracy you look at dark man you look at the shadow uh not all of these were major films obviously they mm-hmm. all wanted to be but not right. all of them uh did that well um But they were all trying to be... They were all influenced by Batman. I won't even say they were trying to be. They were influenced by Batman. Mm -hmm. And I think the experimentation of Batman and then the money that came from it, I think that allowed studios to be a bit more adventurous and approve somebody like a Sam Raimi um, making uh, his film. Uh, But then, you know, it was deemed too dark. And then, of course, we went with Joel Schumacher and his movies made a lot of money. And then you had backlash against that. I think Mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons, I mean, like it's, it's hard to believe that Christopher Nolan's version of Batman was refreshing at one point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that was, that was, especially in the Batman franchise, like, Oh wow, this is what, look at what this guy that made memento, look at what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, But to me, I think maybe the movies that, did it best and david and i've said it before up until i think maybe the avengers uh spider-man and especially spider-man 2 had i think the perfect blend of fun and kinetic and spectacle while also taking the characters seriously taking the the emotional stakes seriously uh and then oddly enough when talking about superhero movies i almost never arrive at x-men i don't know why they are superhero movies but i never think of them i always i always forget that x-men came before spider-man like by two years, yeah, I, I, I was a big fan you know I was a big it was a big deal deal to me at the time because I grew up reading X-Men. But as time has gone on, I still love X-Men too, and I really like days of future past. but that whole franchise has kind of just been brushed aside by Spider-Man, Dark Knight series, the Marvel Cinematic Universe like X-Men just seems to exist on its own plane over here somewhere. Maybe it's because they're the, it's the only one done by Fox, right? Uh, Fantastic Four as oh okay well. yeah but who gives a shit about that <laughs> and so um so, Have uh, you seen the Fantastic Four
1: movies? Uh, yes. And did you Did you like them? No. I haven't seen them. No,
0: okay. <laughs> I really didn't. Well, that's um, the thing. You, say, you, you did say earlier, uh, and maybe you're being a little bit facetious, that you like all superhero movies, even if they're not that
2: good. Yeah, absolutely. I still appreciate them. I, th- I still think they're incredibly interesting in terms of how to adapt uh, a comic book property. And I think also in terms of Fox, the Fantastic Four, which was a huge train wreck. I mean, look at them, what they did with the thing, mm-hmm. how to approach that character in that series. It was... Um, Michael Chiklis is a wonderful actler, actor, but yeah. um, the way you know that foam suit, that rubber foam suit, I mean it was just, it didn't translate well. I'm really excited about the remake. I'm uh, really interested in seeing how they, um, how that film is going to be situated within the current um, iteration of the genre. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. I love X-Men. I love Wolverine, one of my favorite characters. But the series, I've, I've never truly invested in it as a fan. Um, I think it's just because it was so marginal when the first x-men came out it was not a huge success but i think it um made enough money in order to um justify a sequel which Mm was a great film x2 is i think Mm -hmm. one of the best um superhero movies out there yeah but then there was spider-man and i think it overshadowed uh x2 i think in in um you know film fan circles x2 has a really good reputation um that
1: leads me to What I've always when I think about my favorite superhero movies, Mm -hmm. so many of them are part twos, Mm X two, Spider Man two, and um, then three comes
0: along and ruins
1: Dark Knight. Um, I feel like I'm missing uh, a big one here. It may not apply to Iron Man. I'm sure. Um, I never saw Iron Man two actually. Batman Returns. Uh, Batman Returns. Yeah.
2: Do you agree, and why do you think that is? I would personally agree because I like the dark Knight more. I, again, Iron Man I'm not as huge a fan, but um Superman the original one is fantastic. Superman 2 is a really interesting film as well from the production standpoint. What happened there? Because mm-hmm. we know there are two mm-hmm. different cuts. Yeah. Um overall, I think that um the the original film is just something where you have to find, you know, you have to find the tone. It's the same thing and then in especially in a superhero genre what we see is that um there is a formula that is applied and then, um, it's tried out in the original and then it is really comes, uh, rises to perfection in the second one. Then the third film, usually what happens then it's completely either commercialized where it's just, they don't take any risks. Mm-hmm. It's just a try to apply the same formula. Um, and I specifically noticed that with, uh, Iron Man three, which I unfortunately did not like as much. Um, I'm a huge fan of the original um, Iron Man, 2, I still think has some merits to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Iron Man three to me was just very safe, um, but it's also I'm That's odd. I, I think it, I think exactly the
0: opposite. Really, I think it goes against formula. How often is he in the suit? Not very much. People complained about it at the time, and then what they did. What they did with I've been saying it a lot lately because it just happens to be coming up. But like what they did with the Mandarin, I think I always responded to I. Maybe not dramatically, but I appreciated the balls for of doing it. Right. Which then, I think, leads to this idea that even though Iron Man 3 is called Iron Man 3, one could make the argument that the Avengers is Iron Man 3. Because that's the third time that the character played a role. And I mean a major role. He is the major character in the yeah. film. And so... But, of course, Avengers isn't your standard superhero movie. And so... I don't know that, that, and that's that's where we get to, um, you know, and we and we can go back and talk about some other things. But like to bring it to the like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, mm-hmm. I think you and I, David, I think you and I were on the Paul Global Show back when Avengers. I think it had just come out or it was about to come out. Uh, no, I think it had just come out, and we were all very happy with it for the most mm-hmm. part. And I think Paul had asked, "Has any move? Not just like." comic books or whatever he says has any movie franchise ever been like this which is all these individual threads that are meant to come together they were mm-hmm. always meant to come together from the from the post credit scene of the first iron man they were mm-hmm. all meant to come together mm-hmm. but then but they still exist on their own he asked if that's ever happened and that's the thing instinctively you and i were like well probably not because it's always hard to think that his that film history or a new model is being formed right now Man. as you're watching it but i think it's safe to say it's not happened before
1: oh yeah i'm pretty sure you're right yeah by the way i think of the avengers not as not with tony stark as the main character but i think of it as a tragedy where loki is the main character <laughs> um and i'm only half joking i do like loki is kind of my favorite character in the movie then you should
0: I, i'll say this you should then see the second thor movie
2: yeah there's mm-hmm. a
0: lot of good stuff for him to do in that. Um,
2: he used the highlight of that movie, I think. Um,
0: absolutely, yes, no question about it. Yeah. There but is, uh,
2: oh, I, go ahead, sorry. no, go ahead. Sorry, I, I just to, to touch upon the Avengers. I think what you pointed out is that this has never been done before. It's something, and I'm sure there are some maybe precursors, some models that have been implemented in you know throughout film uh, history. But what I really what drew me towards um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe because the essay that I contributed to the book is about the Marvel cinematic universe and how it has evolved is that we think of the superhero genre today as so like thoroughly rooted in the Hollywood industry. It is the blockbuster, the spectacle. It's what makes the most money. It's completely commercialized. Mm -hmm. Um, But within that genre, there is room for innovation. There is room for um, experimentation as well. I don't want to call it like um, a uniquely artistic uh, venture, because it is still a very mainstream movie, but what they did with the Avengers and how they led up to it is something that I think is should be at least should be studied, should be appreciated, should be critiqued, should be discussed. Um, so yeah, and that's what we also hoped to do with the book, and uh, yeah, this is it's still fascinating to me what they did, and now to see how it evolves into the different phases that are coming now when we see yeah. what happens with Guardians, for instance, which is. Um, really an outlier yeah but one that was it's weird like it,
0: it was number one at the box office this past weekend after not being number one a couple weekends like it was number one it's first two mm-hmm. and then ninja turtles came out and then i think something else and then those faded away and guardians was still there yeah and then it was number one again not unlike the avengers 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 hung on quite a bit too um
1: yeah yeah but i mean that's uh, I, I think that's it's more a comment on if I stay in Sin City 2 than it is That's a comment on "To the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: But this idea of like, you know, we have this idea of whatever's new is what people will see because they haven't seen it before. And, and mm-hmm. I've known a number of people in my life uh, that they just want to be up to date. They want to know what people are talking about. And so the idea of
1: of people... That's lo- what I'm like with uh, fast food items. It's like, oh... Burger King's got a new uh, spicy whatever thing. Oh boy, I got to go get it. You well, gotcha. When we, when we yeah. have,
0: uh, <laughs> oh, I won't, I won't say his name, but when we have somebody on in a couple weeks, yeah. you guys will be able to talk in depth about that.
1: Oh, well, I'm, gonna, I'm looking forward to, to that. I get some ideas for him um, <laughs> and so,
0: <laughs> make some notes. Uh, but yeah, and so, um, so we only have a few minutes left because, uh, yeah, because you know, you've got somewhere to be. So let me, right. let me, I'll ask this, and then we'll get to maybe like. Uh, y- your favorite superhero Mm -hmm. movies, something like, uh, something like the green lantern, Mm -hmm. which I didn't see, uh, or the fantastic four or Mm -hmm. any of these that they have a following in the comic book world, Mm -hmm. but they just don't, they don't translate well or they just, they could, but they just, they weren't. Mm -hmm. Um, did you see like, did when putting this book together, did you make it a point to see all of these movies
2: or had you seen them already? I had seen all of them already, but I made uh, it a point to rewatch all of them Okay, in preparation for it, which was also, that was one of the um, benefits of doing the book, but also one of the major challenges.
0: Oh, sure. Absolutely. Uh, Did you, so you saw the green lantern? I did. Did you enjoy green lantern? Unfortunately, I did not. Okay. And so my question is the ones that are, widely acknowledged to be bad you know spider-man 3 Grand catwoman Hunter, daredevil catwoman Ultra. yeah absolutely i'm lo- i'm looking at the index right oh, now oh thank you i was like <laughs> wow he pulled that together really fast um what do they uh what do they get wrong that the other ones get so right
2: that is a very difficult question uh to answer i i'm not a filmmaker i can only comment on it from the outside mm-hmm. um but i would say that uh they just failed to resonate with the core fans, first of all. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's something that, uh, even though some films, some of these films are irreverent to the source material. Some of these films really experiment, go into a different direction that is different from the comic books, but they still manage to um, address the core audience, or at least build a core audience. What films like Catwoman or Elektra, they also didn't, they failed to do that. And I think they also just were not conceived as... A unique property that is uh, considered to be an artistic venture because all the other films, you know, they're not, they weren't just made, uh, created to make money. They were, obviously, but I think when uh, Marvel first set out to do Iron Man, to do Thor, they really invested into those movies. Yeah. They really, um, not that I like all of them, I do not, mm-hmm. but I think that they really were ambitious enough to create something that, uh, is more than just a cheapo, just more than just... Because that is what Catwoman is, for instance. That is really an attempt to capitalize on a property that's just... You think, okay, it's a built-in probably There's a built-in audience. Let's um, make some money out of it. And it didn't work, which is also why now the strategy from Warner and um, DC has shifted dramatically. They're really investing into Zack Snyder's vision now, into the vision that was built by Christopher Nolan um, and then continued with... Man of Steel, which arguably is a lot different from the original from the Batman trilogy that Christopher Nolan did, but uh, this is what they're investing in now. They're trying to create a series, something that is um, builds upon one another. But I feel I think like I would is... I would
1: say the 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 fallacy in your premise, though, Tyler. Okay, is the idea that there is. That superhero, the superhero movie is a narrow enough genre that there is a right and wrong way to do it. I think Mm -hmm. it's, it can encompass so many different things that you just say, Hey, there's good movies and bad movies. And some of them are superhero movies and in both categories. And I would venture to say, David, you walked right into my trap. (laughs) I would
0: venture to say that any filmmaker who agrees with what you just said will make a good one. Any filmmaker, or I'd say studio that says like, okay, okay. What's the formula? What's what's the right. what's the equation? And we just plug in the things, you know, we'll plug in Green Lantern instead of Batman and it'll be fine. Right. Uh, I think that's
2: when they get bad. Right. And I think to put it reductively, mm-hmm. um, to me, a successful superhero movie is the result of someone venturing to do anything but a superhero movie. Hmm. Someone who doesn't follow the formula, who doesn't, you know, think of just fitting it into that particular template Mm -hmm. but that is when you look at batman begins and I'm not a big fan of it either because I think as a film, it is just um, it is a bit too long. It is um, not as focused as I'd like it to be. But what it does is really illuminates the character yeah. of uh, Bruce Wayne and Batman. That's what I really like about I'll, it.
1: I'll bring up Darkman again because I watched it fairly really recently. Yeah, but uh, it's great. as crazy as it is, as the as all the stuff that happens is, it's the the love story behind it is so touching. Right, uh, and you know his like yearning for her and being ashamed of his face, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's incredibly. Uh, an incredibly emotional movie
2: and uh, I think something to be current uh, Venice is about to start right where it started um, the Venice Film Festival and we have um, Birdman yeah. Right? Uh, uh new film, which I am very excited about, which is, seems to be something that is a meta-commentary on the superhero genre, or just yeah. uses the template to tell a very psychological drama, uh character study. Yeah. So I'm very excited about that and to see and, how that uh, genre can evolve from and there.
1: I mean, you can't base a movie on its trailer, but if the trailer is to be <laughs> believed, it might be the first in a ritu movie in which i smile
2: at all oh absolutely yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. it
1: actually seems like it has a sort of sense of humor
2: didn't smile any other movies they're uh, hilarious <laughs> they some moments i mean yeah, i mean I 21 grams
0: it has that little uh that moment where sean Penn slips on a banana peel <laughs> <laughs> and that really got me um so real quick uh before we wrap up i will say uh if somebody says somebody comes up to you you're walking down the street whistling some german tune uh <laughs> And, As we uh, all want to do. Yeah. And so um, you're, whistling, you're singing Edelweiss to yourself, which I know isn't actually a German tune. But anyway, um, <laughs> somebody comes up and says, hey, you're Matthias Stork, who edited Superhero Synergies. I know you. What are some good superhero
2: movies for me to see? What are some of your favorites? What would you say? First of all, I would check my social media profile in order to make sure it's not public anymore, because I don't want people to know me. But um <laughs> Uh, I would recommend I, I truly would recommend, from a contemporary perspective, the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole. I as, think a whole. It is, as a whole. I think it is very interesting to see the progression of how these films evolve and how they come together and how they culminate. and I should say phase one, how they culminate in the Avengers. I think that is um, to me, from a contemporary perspective, is a very good approach. If I had to do it more a historical overview, I think the original Superman. You have to see the original Superman. You have to see Superman 2. To see both cuts, you can skip the next one. (laughs) Um, But uh, the original Batman, I think, is incredibly interesting. Batman Returns, how these films, and then obviously watch some uh, Friedrich Wilhelm Murnau, Mm -hmm. a director you guys discussed too, but in relation to German Expressionism, how it inspired Tim Burton. I think that is a movie that can really go beyond just a superhero genre, but really teach you something about film style. And then you should watch Batman Forever and Batman and Robin because how they play on that just visually, but my favorite superhero movie of all time is Howard the Duck no I 'm just kidding, <laughs> not Howard the Duck, although it is fascinating, but um, I would still say my favorite superhero movie overall um, is a very fairly recent one. I think the best one that's has been done yet is um, the Winter Soldier just oh, really? as a okay. as a genre exercise. Favorite film that is related to superheroes is The Dark Knight.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, Winter Soldier is an interesting one because it's a genre exercise, but not purely the genre of superhero, like right. these espionage film, it, it was just as much to that. Like just, if you put a blue outfit, outfit and a shield on uh, Jason Bourne, then you basically have the Winter Soldier.
2: It, um, yeah, I think that's a fair analogy. And I like those movies. Oh, by the way, some uh, I forgot a movie, X Men Origins Wolverine. So bad it's good. Watch (laughs) it. Um, It's hilarious. It's just um, that's the only one in the X
0: Men series I haven't seen. Really? Yeah. Because I heard it was so terrible, and it killed me because you know Wolverine was my guy growing up. Yeah. And uh, then when I then I saw X Men Last Stand, didn't really like that. And then I heard so many terrible things about. X-Men Origins Wolverine, that I thought, like, eh, I don't need this. Why would you let that deter you from seeing it? Uh, Because I'm not made of money, you know? <laughs> wasn't that— uh, it wasn't And also, that. some of it had to do with the fact that it's like, no, I like this character. I want to continue liking him. I don't want to see him ruined. Fair point. So,
2: I just—I frankly should have done that.
0: But that's—but, you know, but you've got a—you've got a book to write, that's true. Or edit. But, um... So, okay. So right, Your should... prediction
2: right now is,
1: is Ant-Man gonna be a good movie.
2: <laughs> uh, I love Edgar Wright, and I'm very disheartened that he left the project, but, um... Peyton Reed's no slouch. No. Definitely not, and I think, I think it will surprise. I think, actually, it's going to be... I, frankly, when I heard of Guardians of the Galaxy for the first time, and the cosmic, and you see Grand, Green Lantern, Fantastic Four, really more cosmic in their approach. So I figured Guardians of the Galaxy, I saw the post-credit sequence uh, with the Collector, and I thought they're unleashing the next duck. Uh, As they did, Howard was there, but uh, I thought it was not going to be good. And I loved it. Um, But, yeah, so Ant-Man, yeah, it's going to be great. I also think that you will enjoy,
0: I only saw the first episode, but Gotham is such a wonderful blending of what Batman has been over the last 20 years uh, visually that I, and tonally it's very similar to like the Nolan and the animated. Uh, and so I'm super excited to see what happens next. So I highly recommend it. it sounds very intriguing.
1: All right. Well, uh, you can find us at battleship com. That's where you find, uh, this podcast and all the other podcasts in the BP fleet. That's where you find all of our movie reviews. um, you can email us david at battleship or tyler at battleship you can follow me david on twitter at the pretension follow tyler at more lessons that's the official twitter of his other podcast more than one lesson which is at more than one what's going on over there anything uh let's see our most recent
0: episode will be about el Katz's cheap thrills with the companion film Glendary Glenn Ross.
1: All right. Nice. My other podcast is the TV podcast Hey Watch This with Paul and David. You can find that at com. This week we're talking about the Emmy telecast, and uh, I will be making the case that uh, Seth Myers was fine, but Julia Louis Dreyfus should host every Emmy's from now until she can no longer stand under her own power. Agreed. Um, <laughs> I love her. Yeah. And uh, so that's us. Uh, Matthias, where can people find you and your work on the internet?
2: uh well you can follow me on twitter which is uh sin discourse and uh other than that uh thanks again for having me guys i really appreciate it and this is uh cool. live theater it's amazing i love it <laughs> so great I where, like where can people get now. the boot where no can i'm not
1: insulting could... you people need to know where to get the book oh you left that part on it's okay amazon or somewhere and it's called superhero synergies that's right so thank you for being here Minty. this is a lot of fun i hope we didn't keep you too late thank we'll you at home for listening you. we'll get you next time bye bye